Welcome to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power, and with me today are Mike Taylor, who leads our travel practice, and Jenny Corwin, our lead analyst for travel, and Andrea Stokes, our hospitality practice leader. Mike and Jenny and Andrea, welcome to this month's uh, podcast. Hello. 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 Mike, why don't we start with airlines? Looks like we have some news from J.D. Power about the best airline loyalty programs of 2019. So... Uh, who's the winner here, and, and what were the uh, the key factors in satisfaction with airline loyalty programs? Well, this year, again, it was JetBlue who ranked highest in uh, satisfaction for airline loyalty. And the key findings really didn't change that much from the last time, the inaugural um, study that we released in back in March. Um, the key finding here is that uh, those programs where the people understand how to earn and redeem rewards do the best. So if you can make it clear to the loyalty pass um, loyalty um, consumer uh, for airlines uh, how the program works, how they can get points, miles, whatever you'd like to call it, and then how they can redeem those, those work the best. And some of the other things we found, um, a continuing trend that we've seen in the in the industry is that the airline loyalty programs are moving away from it being specifically about travel or redeeming it for an airline flight. Those loyalty programs that basically introduce a lifestyle uh, for the use of their car or the loyalty program or the points that people are accumulating do the best. And it's really sort of a, uh, you know, a, a, a loop here that the more often you can redeem rewards, the better you understand the program, the better you understand, you understand the program, the, the happier you are with it. Um, so those are some of the key findings in that study. Okay, thanks, Mike. Andrea, moving to hospitality, uh, it looks like we have a story recently uh, that kind of continues this theme of the major hotel chains trying to keep up with all of these different online distribution uh, channels. Uh, so I think this story was about ISG bringing in a new team to uh, try to consolidate um, the distribution of their rates. So so what's happening here? What's, what's driving this um, this kind of, I don't know if it's a battle or not, between the, uh, the hotel brands and uh, and their online uh, channels. Yes, the battle continues. Um, I think that this is um, partially about um, the fact that, you know, room rates uh, are not really growing this year. And some um, are saying that it it is uh, due to potential economic headwinds, right? But uh, I, there's another um, theory that um, hotels um, really are kind of losing control of their hotel rates given all of the channels and all of the places on online that hotel rates can appear to consumers. So you have the, the OTAs, you have the aggregators, you have the direct channels, and um, IHG in particular, uh, is is trying to do more, I think, to sort of rein in uh, how how many rates are, are kind of showing up in all the different channels, uh, when these rates are showing up, and uh, trying to get a handle on any potential differences with their own direct rates, which um, kind of focuses on the, the rate parity issue, because the hotel chains, you know, definitely want to make it known that direct booking will provide you with the lowest rate. 
uh, and they, they definitely use that in marketing. They use that um, for promotion purposes. Uh, but often, uh, you know, that that may not be the case, and consumers could potentially find lower rates um, elsewhere. And it is it is an issue. So I think we will see, you know, more of this. I know that the large chains have been working on this and focusing on this, um, given all the channels and, and given their um, – you know, they're focused on moving consumers to direct booking. So we'll, it will be interesting to see, you know, the rest of this year and next year how, um, how this plays out with the other, the other big hotel chains. Okay, thanks, Andrea. Uh, Mike and, and, and Jenny, uh, let's move to airport. Uh, recent story in the Wall Street Journal about expanded dining options now at airports, including things like Dining halls or food halls, I guess they're called, and then even you know adding local fare. So, so Mike, is this a trend we're uh, we're going to see uh, going forward? And and Jenny, what from your point of view, I'd like to hear what the um, the impact is on uh, satisfaction of um, passengers and travelers at the airport. Well, this has actually been a trend for the last two decades. Uh, you know, it's increased satisfaction with food, beverage, and retail at the airports, and it's really the result of some just basic economics. Um, you know, the, when you have these specialty items that are unusual or unique to a, a location, uh, they do a lot of things for the airport, uh, one of which is, of course, increased satisfaction with having a unique experience at the airport itself um, and also having access to some local flavor that, you know, is not in your hometown while you're out traveling. The second part of it is, uh, the economic part of it is, is that the vendor can charge more money if they're offering something that's unique you know, and has high quality. And so people are willing to pay more for that Texas beef burger when they're in Texas or maybe the fish tacos in San Diego uh, because that is something that's associated with the local culture. And we found that as that variety of food, beverage, and retail increases at the airport, the concern with prices, which everybody likes to complain about, prices at the airport, that that importance decreases. So it's sort of a win-win. The airport makes more money, the vendor makes more money, and the passenger goes, goes away happy. And I'll turn it over to Jenny to talk more. Yeah, I think uh, just to, to reiterate that point, the passenger goes away happy, right? Um, so authentic local experiences uh, across any of our travel and hospitality studies are shown to increase uh, passenger satisfaction, guest satisfaction, um, especially in an airport. So um, it really contributes to your sense of place. Uh, you, you feel like you're really in that place when you can get something uh, unique or local, and it, it, particularly for connecting passengers who may not be able to spend time in that destination. They're really just passing through. Um, but if you can get that uh, Texas beef burger or whatever it is, at least you feel like you went somewhere. Um, and so it does drive up uh, passenger satisfaction by having those local, authentic items. Okay, thanks, Jenny. Uh, Mike, uh, turning to rental car, we have some additional news here. Uh, J.D. Power recently uh, released the 2019 uh, satisfaction study on, on rental cars, and it looks like we're seeing record high um, record high satisfaction levels. So, so what's happening here? Well, actually, this year we had somewhat of a surprise winner in Hertz, which just edged out uh, our friends at uh, Enterprise uh, for the top spot. So kudos to Hertz, doing a great job. And there's, this is the now the 
far and away, the highest satisfaction in any part of the travel experience is with the rental car itself. And that's really a result of the pressures that have been put on them by smaller rental car companies and also by the you know TNCs and transportation network companies like Uber and Lyft. Um, the key factor in satisfaction with the rental car is the value of the rental car service itself. Um, and we can see that the, there's been a lot of price pressure, especially in the last oh, decade or so, uh, on this industry. And prices have either held steady or dropped slightly per day, You know, which, of course, causes some issues with the companies that are renting the cars. But it, it provides value and satisfaction with the experience on the part of the renter itself. So congratulations to Hertz uh, for being named number one in satisfaction in the rental car company, among rental car companies, this year from J.D. Power. Okay, thanks, Mike. And uh, Jenny, just to finish up on the digital side of travel, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but we saw the, uh, and, and this is a this is an ongoing story here in Los Angeles, but we saw the elimination of uh pickup for rideshare and taxi cabs at LAX, uh, where they moved everybody to a lot at the uh, at the end of the horseshoe. And I think this is probably understating it, but I don't think it went well uh, the first uh, few days or even the first you know, week or two. Uh, I think we're in week three or four now at this point. They've made some changes. So so what's the what's the story here? Um, what's uh, what's likely to happen in the future? And and are we going to see the same issue at other airports? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think, as you mentioned, it's not unexpected that the rollout was not perfectly smooth. Um, something at the size and scale of LAX obviously presents a lot of challenges in and of itself to make any changes. Um, and, and the airport experience, as Mike always talks about, is, is a really a stressful experience for a lot of people in general. So you're just adding another layer to that, uh, people trying to get home or make it to their meeting or whatever that might be, start their vacation, um, by adding this additional step of having to take a bus to um to a remote lot um and and i think the issues that we're seeing were when people got there they were confused about how to do the actual process of getting the ride share um some of the rideshare drivers are confused about the new process of entering and exiting the new lot um so i think a lot of these things are being worked out with just the additional provision of information, um, the airports providing additional signing and uh, road striping, updating traffic patterns. They are adding um, a video on the shuttle to the lot to explain to guests how to use it. So I, I think, but it's going to take some time before we see those things really pay off in terms of satisfaction and, and really easing up the stress of this experience. I think um, as, as late as last week, we we're still seeing um, surge pricing with drivers not being as, as readily available. I mean, LA traffic may also be to blame for that. Um, it's, it's not exactly um, easy traffic all over. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I do think they're trying to make this as seamless as possible, but there's a lot of a lot of challenges. And I imagine as we see other airports adopt this, hopefully um, we've we've seen one of the most difficult transitions already in the in, in LAX. So others should be smooth in comparison. All right, great, Jenny. Thanks so much. So Mike and Jenny and Andrea, thanks so much for joining us today. You're quite welcome. Thank thanks you for having us. And uh, thanks to our listeners for joining as well. To learn more about the J.D. Power Travel practice, please follow us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash showcase slash J.D. Power Travel and Hospitality. 
uh, or you can visit us on the web at jdpower.com slash business. And we'll see you next time.